presented gospel lesson for today is taken from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of St. John, starting in the first verse. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Lord, we ask that you would always give us the grace to abide in you, that we might continue in you, that we might flourish in you, that we might produce good fruits for your glory and our joy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, here in North America, at this time of the year, we see all sorts of new life springing up. I don't know about you, but it seems I can't mow my grass fast enough. The pruning never ends in my yard. And um, it's a wonderful time where we just see the demonstration of life coming out of the earth and into flowers, into trees, into the grass, enlivening our world. That's an image that Jesus chooses today to use to talk about abiding in him. And today we're going to talk about one aspect of abiding in him. Today is known as Rogation Sunday on the church calendar. It's the sixth Sunday of Easter. And Rogation Sunday, perhaps you have, perhaps you haven't heard of it, it actually is a tradition that goes all the way back to the 6th century, the 6th century, and um, it's a tradition of asking and acknowledging God's blessing in new life. And so it happens during this time of the year that we go out on processions. If we're in rural areas, 
Uh, the clergy visit farms and bless fields and walk the boundaries of those fields. And we remember that all good life comes from God. This uh, Tuesday, we're going to be doing a rogation procession out here, going down St. Charles all the way up to Detroit, coming back on Marlowe and Bell Avenues, and asking God's blessing on our neighborhood, that he would bring new life here in Lakewood, and that he would bring a new life that is clean, that is absent of disease and sin. So in John 15 today, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And this takes place, if you'd open your Bibles with me, in a particular place in John's Gospel. Does anybody know what events bookmark, or rather bookend, this um, teaching that Jesus gives? What precedes it? Does anyone know? What precedes it, actually, if you turn all the way back to John 13, you'll see that Jesus has had his last supper with the disciples and that he's washed their feet. He's given them a new commandment. And so we actually, if we look at chapter 13, we see that he's foretold his death. He, he foretells the betrayal of Judas and he proceeds out before going into the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is here preparing his disciples to function without him, in one sense, but very much more with him and empowered by him in another sense. Now, immediately, the context here is Jesus is on his way to suffering and death upon the cross. And so he takes this time to steal the resolve of the disciples. We, we see the results of that, though, right? Peter betrays him. The disciples all flee except for St. John. They do all that outside of the Holy Spirit. But we also see here that Jesus promises that one will come that will empower them, that will empower them to do things much more than they could do in and of themselves. And it's really quite amazing when you think about it that Jesus here, a man who knows he's about to go to the cross, who knows he's about to be executed, in the worst way possible, who knows that he's going to be betrayed, takes the time here to instruct his disciples so dearly, and indeed to instruct us so dearly. But then again, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Last week I mentioned a phrase from the Book of Common Prayer. It can actually be found earlier in today's, um, in today's service, I'm going to read it to you from the prayer book. It's on page 13 in the prayer book. It's in response to the confession. But if the 
words of, of um, absolution are being replaced by a deacon or a lay person, he reads this prayer. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does it mean to have a quiet mind in the service of our Lord? This prayer here on page 13 in the Book of Common Prayer actually comes from the 1662 prayer book. It's the 21st Sunday of Trinity's Collect. And that actually comes way back from the 5th century Latin prayer book where we pray it at the same time. The Anglican prayer book scholar and commentator, the late Peter Toon, writes this. He says that we can more literally translate that prayer, quote, devoted service without distraction of mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does it mean to serve God with a quiet mind? It means to serve him without distraction of mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. So aside from that being an interesting historical tidbit about the prayer book, what does it have to do with today? What's it have to do with the gospel? Well, when we look at John chapter 15, we see Jesus very clearly instruct his disciples to abide in me. I've preached on this before, but the word here for abide is meno. Meno. And it's interesting, if you look at the Greek text, he uses this word no fewer than ten times in this short, chap- this short passage. It's actually almost as many, he, you could, if you break it up, ten times in eleven verses. So he says this word emphatically to his disciples in his last instructions to them here before going to the cross. Abide in me, says Jesus. Abiding is a quality. And it's something that there's no other English word to capture. But here's a few that lend color to it. To abide means to endure. To abide means to stand against. To abide means to remain in place. To abide means to hold out. Those are all other translations of this Greek word that we find in the Greek, um, uh, the Greek uh, poet Homer, for example. Speaking about the Iliad, he talks about it being this idea of holding out or standing fast despite all opposition. Abide in me, Jesus says. In the Old Testament, we see this word abide as a quality of God himself. It's as opposed to the tumultuous chaos and constant change of the world. That's the idea of abiding in God, of God being an abiding force in creation. That God is steadfast. The prophet Malachi says in 3.6, God says through Malachi, I should say, in 3.6, I, the Lord your God, do not change. The Apostle James attests to this idea also in his letter to the church. James 1, 17, we read, 
Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And here's the abiding part. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. No variation or shadow due to change. Do you see, abiding has this idea of constancy, being unchanging, being reliable, being steadfast. When Jesus asks us to abide, he's asking us to stand for and remain in him. But how do we do that? How do we do that? We all agree that that's a good thing. But we can't do it on our own. You see, Jesus himself tells us this. He must abide in us so that we we can abide in him. Look at chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. Let's stop there. So Jesus is saying that we abide in him as he abides in us. He gives this image from nature of the vine, right? If you've ever done any pruning, you know that once in a while you'll slip on the vine and cut something that you didn't want to cut, and what happens? A few days later, maybe even a week, that portion of the vine dries up despite the fact that it's surrounded by lush greenery. It's not getting any of the nutrients that it needs. It's not getting the water that it needs. And so it dries up, and you have no choice but to remove it. That's what this passage is talking about here. That's the idea of abiding in Christ and just how important it is. How do we do this? It's by the giving of the Holy Spirit. If we look preceding today's gospel lesson, Back to John 14, verse 15, we read this in John's Gospel. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So what Jesus is there promising, of course, he's foretelling the time of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit will, in fact, enter into the disciples. But we, on the other side of Pentecost, know that every Christian, every person who has come to Christ, who's been baptized, has been promised this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that he abides in us. What's the deal then? Why don't we just abide automatically? Because God desires us to choose to abide. He gives us the grace to do so. He gives us all the tools we need to do so. And yet, he wants us to choose him because that is the core of love. Choice. Choice. So why is it so important that we serve God with a quiet mind? Because to serve God with a quiet mind is to put our first love first. To choose to serve God, 
to choose to not be distracted by other loves before God. We have to choose to abide with him in a quiet mind, but of course the promises that he always and constantly and unchangingly will abide with us. What distracts us? What keeps us from a quiet mind? All the usual things. The things that we swear off at holy baptism. Those things of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Things that tempt us because we're not setting our minds on the heavenly realities. Rather, we're getting distracted with the earthly pressing matters. It's a quiet mind that allows us to set our minds on the heavenly things, as Paul says. To turn off the daily grind of the news. To quit checking our phone so often to see our other loves. To set aside time to pray. Jesus gives us this promise, however, in verse 7. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. That's actually quite an awesome promise when you think about it. Jesus is saying, if you're being fueled by me, if you're letting me through the Holy Spirit abide in you and change you and and fill you and bring life to you, When you ask, you'll be in accordance with my will, and I will give you that thing. St. Augustine writes on this passage and says this. He says, if we ask, and the doing does not follow, what we ask may not be connected with our abiding in him, or his words that abide in us. Instead, they must be connected with that craving and infirmity of the flesh. So, do you see, when we don't abide in Christ, when we put other loves first, we actually can't walk in his will and can't ask for things that are in his will. And therefore, those things won't be answered. That's what Augustine's saying. We have a lot of time right now to listen and to abide. I've been talking about this the past few, gosh, months now, right? Our lives have been in upheaval. Some of us are busier. But we also have this opportunity to seek God, to pray for others, more than perhaps we used to. At the very least, it shuffled our lives so that we can reprioritize. But many of us, do almost anything to not abide, in the sense that we would almost do anything to not sit and listen, to not be alone with our thoughts, to not have a quiet mind, to complain then that we don't hear God. These past few months, I've heard God quite clearly, actually, through the reading of his word, because it's given me the opportunity to renew my discipline of reading the scriptures. I hope that you have had that opportunity too. And if not, it's never too late. The promise of the scriptures, as we see in in the Isaiah passage, 
is that God is always going to give us what we need spiritually. He's never going to leave us spiritually parched if we approach him knowing that we're poor in that area. Let us come to God as poor and needy. Let us come to him as utterly dependent, needing to abide in him, needing that life that the Holy Spirit gives. May he give us grace to recognize that we're parched and we're parched spiritually and that we thirst for him. The other part of Rogation Sunday is that it's our duty as Christians not just to abide in Christ, but in abiding in Christ, to ask on behalf of ourselves and others. We say it at the beginning of evening prayer and morning prayer, right? To ask of God those things which are necessary for our life and our salvation, which, funny enough, is actually the same thing when it comes down to it for ourselves, and for the world. We acknowledge that he is the unchanging font of life. And as we proclaim the great litany today, take a moment to think about all the things you're praying for. What are you asking of the Lord? What are we asking of the Lord? Let's take this time on these upcoming days of rogation, right? Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, as we prepare for the Lord to ascend on Ascension Day. And let us ask the things which are necessary for ourselves and our neighbors, for our life and our salvation. Friends, don't be parched. Don't let yourself become the withered branch. Abide in Christ by listening and asking. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.